0: This blessed morning, Abba Father, we are hallowed in Your glory, and we stand in Your presence to receive fresh manna from above, to receive the heavenly diet, to feed on the heavenly meal. We receive from Your hands, we receive from Your heart, and we are edified. Thank You. For the bread that is from heaven unto you be all glory unto you be all honor all hearts are before you every heart is anointed every mind is anointed every brain is anointed every eye is anointed with eye salve we see into the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God be glorified in all the earth Be glorified in this place today. Unto be glory, honor, and praise forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Preparing for eternity. Hallelujah. Ask your neighbor, are you preparing for eternity? Of course, if you are preparing for eternity, you give yourself as a living sacrifice unto God. Hallelujah. In fact, when we think of eternity, it tells us that we will not be here forever. And the truth is that we are not going to be here forever. Very soon, we will not be here. Hallelujah. Very soon, we will not be here. Now, the first reason why we should prepare for eternity is because it is our hope. It is our hope. Now, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19, Apostle Paul said, If only in this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most miserable. If only in this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most miserable. So, our hope is not temporal. Our hope is not transient. Our hope is eternal. Because actually, this is not where we are from. We don't come from the earth. This is not our root. This is not our origin. The apostle said in Philippians 3, 20, 21, for our citizenship is in heaven. From whence we look for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile bodies that it might be fashioned as unto his glorious body. We are not from here. Jesus said, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. And us is of the earthy, such are they that are earthy. And us is of the heavenly, such are they that are heavenly. We are heavenly. We are the heavenly breed. We are from heaven. So, as strangers and pilgrims, we are just strangers. We are just pilgrims. We are foreigners. We we are just here for a, a, a period of time. Praise God. While we look not on the things that are seen, but on the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For I reckon that the sufferings at this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and an eternal weight of glory hallelujah there's a place we are going the streets of that city is it's not just pure gold it's gold yet it is transparent glass you think you have pleasure on earth no what you're experiencing is not pleasure at his right hand are pleasures forevermore hallelujah beloved we have no worldly hope our hope is above our hope is eternal our hope is not earthbound we look for the pinnacles of the eternal city we look for Emmanuel's land That's not where we are from there's not where we are from this is not where we come from now eternity is our hope the coming of Jesus is our hope. Say, it is my hope. It's, my hope. it's our hope. After all, the Bible, that is what the Bible said we are saved by hope. You understand? The Bible said, For the earnest expectation of the creature, waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creation itself was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected it. And in hope, the creation shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the liberty of the glory of the sons of God. And we know that the whole world groaneth and traveled in pain together until now. Not only they, but even we ourselves also. We who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we do groan, waiting for the adoption, to wait the redemption of our bodies, for we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope at all. For what a man see yet, why then does he hope for it? But if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience, wait for it. You see, we are saved, but we don't have the full package of salvation yet. We don't have the full package of salvation yet. We are waiting for our complete salvation. There's the initial salvation, progressive salvation, and there's the completing salvation. We are waiting. We are saved. Of course, presently, we are saved by faith. We are being saved by love, and we shall be saved by hope. There are by three virtue, virtues, faith, hope, and love. Presently we are saved. But the thing is that what we have is not our full salvation. But we shall have it. What does it mean? In whom also you trusted after you heard the word of truth. In whom also after ye believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession. Now, in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, the Bible says that we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the pledge of our inheritance until the possession of the... Until... What I say? The redemption of the acquired or the purchased possession. Now, King James said the nest of our inheritance but it's also the, the pledge of our inheritance your version will say the pledge of our inheritance hallelujah now listen to me carefully we have the pledge say the pledge. the pledge and we have the seal say the seal in verse 13 we have the seal in verse 14 we have the pledge now a seal if you see a seal on any material it shows you the owner of the material the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is our seal to tell us that we belong to God. Amen. The seal of God, the imprint of God, to seal is to press a print upon a substance. Something has been pressed upon us. The Holy Spirit is the seal that we belong to God, that we are owned by God. Hallelujah. Not only that, the Bible said that the Spirit is our pledge. Now, the word pledge here is the Greek word arabon, which has different meanings. Let me just give you some of them. Number one, it means down payment. Down payment, like what we do in buying. You get to a store and you want to buy something, and you just make a deposit, a down payment, as a guarantee that you, you bring the rest to come for it. Hallelujah. Now, the Bible says that the word earnest or pledge means down payment. The Holy Spirit given to us is the down payment. That very soon we'll have the full payment. The down payment proved that now our spirit is saved. That's a down payment. But very soon our bodies will be saved. That's a full payment. The down payment, now another meaning is the word, the, in, in the days of Paul, the word earnest also meant sample. Because in those days, if you want to buy, purchase a land, what happened was that. The owner of the land will take you to the land. Then he will gather the sand of the land for you as a proof that you are going to inherit the land. So the pledge was also the sample. He gives you the sample of what you are going to inherit. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is the sample that we are going to inherit the entire God. He is the sample that we are going to inherit all of God and all that God has for us. Now, the word also means full taste, You know, full taste. For instance, if you are cooking some powerful steel, it, it can taste, you can go and to the ladies' kitchen to taste the stew. That's a taste, But that's not a full taste. The full taste is the, is the dinner. When you sit down in a relaxed mood, or a relaxed mood to enjoy the, enjoy the dinner. For instance, if I take you to an an, an orchard of oranges, of of, um, apple, or peaches, and I just give you ten of them, ten fruits, giving you ten fruits is for you to taste, becomes a foretaste that you are going to um, inherit the whole orchard to enjoy everything. Hallelujah. So now, the word pledge means that what we have received right now, it's just the forties. We have just tasted the steel. The real dinner is yet to come. Hallelujah. Amen. Beloved, there is a better hope reserved for us. You have no idea what this hope is. <laughs> you have no idea. That is why in Titus 2.13, Paul said, looking for that blessed hope. We are looking for the blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ looking for the blessed hope. Say the blessed hope. Now in the Greek it is the happy hope. Looking for the happy hope. The happy hope. Ah. Happy hope. Happy hope. Praise God. I want you to have this eternal hope. This is not where we come from. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a living hope, unto a lively hope, through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, unto an inheritance incorruptible. That fadeth not. You see? The Bible says that we have been saved. In First Peter chapter 3, chapter 1, verse 3 to 6, we have been saved unto a living hope. And we are going to inherit. Our inheritance is incorruptible. It's undefiled. It doesn't fade. It is reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice. You see, the early church rejoiced for the hope of salvation. They couldn't help it. They re- so much that when they met themselves, they, they, they didn't greet good afternoon or good morning. Their greeting was Maranatha. Then you respond, he comes. Because Maranatha is an Aramaic word, which means he comes. So, to the great one another, Maranatha, then you respond, he comes. Because you, could, you were just anticipating his coming. Hallelujah. Yeah. And that was their salutation. That was their language. And, now let's go back. The Bible said our inheritance is undefiled. Let's go back. Incorruptible means that what incorruptible means not subject to death. Undefiled means not subject to sin. On that faded not means not subject to time. Our inheritance is incorruptible, it's not subject to death. It is undefiled, not subject to sin. It doesn't fade, it's not subject to time. We are going to have our immortal bodies, our glorified bodies. Now, when we enter into that body, in the resurrected body, you don't come and go. You appear and disappear. We will explore all the illimitable expanse of the universe. Within a split of second, you are in Jupiter and you are in Mars. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, there is an inheritance for us. Paul said, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and the mortal shall be clothed with immortality, and the corruption shall be clothed with incorruption. And when the mortality shall be clothed with immortality, and the corruptible shall be clothed with incorruption, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. Hallelujah. Oh, we look for the glorious rapture. Now, the word rapture in English means to be beside yourself in ecstasy. It it, it actually means ecstasy. Rapture. When we shall be taken. And Paul said, in a moment. And In the Greek, the word moment is the word atomos. Where we have the word atom. So, Actually, our rapture, the rapture is in, in, an, in an atom of time. It will take place in an atom of time. Yes. <sighs> First Corinthians 15, 51. In an atom of time. He said, in the twinkling of an eye. And the twinkling of an eye is different from the blink of an eye. Now, according to science, the blink of an eye is, is approximately one-eleventh of a second. That's a blink of an eye. One-eleventh of a second. The blink of an eye. But the twinkling of an eye is ten to the minus thirty-five seconds. Hmm. We shall be taken (laughs) in a moment. (laughs) You must understand that for every single prophecy about the second about the first coming of Christ, there are eight others that address his second coming. 17 books in the Old Testament addresses the second coming of Christ. And 23 books out of 27 books in the New Testament addresses the second coming of Christ. Out of every 30 verses in the New Testament, one of them addresses his second coming. Because that is our hope. That is our hope. If Christians were to hold on to this hope, this hope actually solves the problem of holiness and purity. Because, beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear unto us what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. And every man that has this hope in him purified himself, even as he is pure, is the hope. Is the hope. Is the hope of glory. This is the hope of glory. Which hope also we have as an anchor of the soul. And is sure and steadfast. And enter it into that which is within the veil. where the forerunner is for us entered. Even Jesus, who is made an high priest forever. After the order of Melchizedek. Beloved, I have a living hope. We have a living hope. It is beyond the earth. It is beyond the sky. We will not be here forever. That is what Paul could say. If we have no hope, then why stand we in jeopardy every hour? If we have no hope, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus, I die daily. If, after the manner of men, I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage yet it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. But we have a living hope. Hallelujah. We have a living hope. Our hope, which is laid for you in heaven. Praise God! Give someone a high five and say, "We have a living hope." The Holy Spirit in you is a guarantee of that you will be raptured. The Holy Spirit in you is the pledge, is a down payment, is a foretaste, is the sample. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. That day of redemption is the redemption of our bodies. Everyone who has the Holy Spirit in him will have the redemption of his body. The Holy Spirit in you is a proof that you are going to be glorified. If I receive the Holy Spirit, you have eternal security. If I receive the Holy Spirit, it is a pledge. It's a down payment of the full payment. It's a first fruit Of the harvest. The Bible says we have the first fruit of the spirit. It's an assurance that the harvest is coming. Praise God and give him the glory. If I have the Holy Spirit in you, I'll meet you on that day. Hallelujah. But listen, we need to prepare for eternity. We need to prepare for eternity. Praise God. Now, this is it. Time is for sowing and eternities for reaping. Time is for sowing and eternities for reaping. What you will reap in eternity depends on time. Depends on your investment in time. And even how you will be in eternity depends on now. For example, there were two people who were saved: Paul the Apostle and the thief on the cross. These two people, which of them do you think will have rewards and crowns and glory in heaven? Which of them? Paul and the thief on the cross. <laughs> These two guys were saved. But the truth is that in eternity, they are all in glory, but they will all not be the same. The thief on the cross will not have the same inheritance like Apostle Paul. (laughs) Praise God. That's why you have to prepare for eternity. Now, Many people don't understand the concept of reward and the concept of salvation. Many people mix it together. They mix it together. You you must understand gift and reward. They mix it together. But before we finish, you'll understand in Jesus' name. Now, there are two kinds of preparation. In the Bible, in the New Testament, there are two Greek words for preparation. The first one is the word hetoimos. H E, let me just spell it for you. H E T O I M O S. H E T O I M O S. The second one is Kataskiwazo. Kataskiwazo. <laughs> T A T A S K E U A Z O. Kataskiwazo. Now hetoimos actually is inward preparation. Inward preparation. Kataskiwazo is outward preparation. Now these are the two preparations you need to prepare for eternity. Hetoimos is inward preparation. Kataskiwazo is outward preparation. Now what is inward preparation? Inward preparation is your walk before God. Your life before God. How you live before God. How you conduct yourselves before God. How you are filled with the Spirit and how you express the life of Jesus. That is Hetoimos, inward preparation. Then there's kataskuazu, kataskiwazu, which is the outward preparation. That speaks of your service for God, your work for God, the things you do for God. You see, your service, your effective service for the kingdom, your laboring in the ministry, fulfilling your earthly assignment, fulfilling your earthly calling, and doing the work of the ministry. So we need a dual preparation. One is your walk before God. The second is your work before God. And Jesus addressed these two things in Matthew 25. And the whole of Matthew 25 is devoted to these two things. First, he spoke about the parable of the ten virgins, which addresses her our inward preparation. Then he spoke about the parable of the talent, which speaks of our work. That is our outward preparation. That is it. The power of the, of the talent of, 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 the, of the wise and the foolish virgins addresses our inward preparation. Our living before God. But the talent speaks of the, our service and our work before God. Hallelujah. So you have to prepare both inwardly and outwardly for eternity. Hallelujah. And now, Let me start with the inward preparation. Then we'll get to the outward preparation. The hetoimos. We must be inwardly prepared and outwardly prepared for what is coming. Time is for sowing, eternity is for reaping. Now, the whole Bible, you realize that the Bible is a book of a universal romance between a man and a woman. There is no romantic book as the Bible. People are looking for romance everywhere. They are watching romance. But if their eyes were to be opened, they will know that there is a mystical romance that they can decode from the Holy Writ. This romance fulfills, satiates the heart and satisfies the heart. The whole Bible has a concept of marriage. Marriage is good. Hallelujah. Praise God. How many of you have decided never to marry? when I was in my early 20s I had a group of friends we came together and we decided not to marry (laughs) because we felt that we must go all out for the the gospel (laughs) so give thyself holy (laughs) and we always met And one of my friends was our leader, and he was always bringing the scriptures, convincing us not to marry. Opening in a legend from the scriptures. What happened was that the guy went to campus, the one who, he ushered all of us into that kind of mindset. And that same semester, when he got to campus, he went to grab. (laughs) And during vacation, we had to continue our meeting to strengthen ourselves not to marry. And this is our leader. I realized that when he came to the meeting, he had lost his confidence. As said, man of God what is happening. He said, man, Is said, brethren, I have something to tell you. <laughs> then he just opened the secret and was now encouraging us to grab. <laughs> but the mystery is that up to now he's not married. Maybe he has that calling. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, now, in the Bible, you see the concept of marriage. I don't want to go so much into it, but even Paul said, for this cause a man shall live. Now, when God made Adam and brought Eve to Adam, God God said, for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. Is that not so? Yeah, Yeah. Genesis 2.24. But when it was quoted again by Paul in Ephesians 5, Paul said the same thing for this cause. A man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the twins shall be one flesh. Then Paul smiled and said, I'm speaking as though I was there. Paul smiled and said, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So the whole thing is Christ and the church. Our marriage is just a copy, an earthly adumbration, a typical semblance of the truth, of the reality of the true verity of what is substantiated in heaven. Actually, God in eternity wanted a bride for his son. That's why he he made us marry to see to have the fortest of the fortest. You must understand that when Jesus was on earth, he had the best man. At the marriage, let me tell you the best man at the marriage supper of the lamb and the (laughs) groomsmen. In John 3:29, John the Baptist said, He that has a bride is the bridegroom, and the friend of the bridegroom which standeth and heareth the bridegroom's voice rejoiceth. This therefore is my joy fulfilled. Now John the Baptist 29. John the Baptist called himself the friend of the bridegroom. Actually, in those days, the friend of the bridegroom is the best man of the bridegroom. Do you remember that some people came to Jesus and they they asked him, why is is it that your disciples don't fast? Why does the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast? But your disciples, they are always eating. They seem not to be serious in life. (laughs) 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 The Pharisees were always like that. John was not eating. They look at John, this guy. He's always fasting. He must have a demon. (laughs) Jesus was always eating. They look at him. This is just a glutton and a wine Bible. And Jesus said, this generation is like, what shall I like in this generation? It's like unto children sitting in the marketplaces, calling unto their fellows. We have mourned and ye have not lamented. We have piped and ye have not danced. Two ministries. John came with a mourning ministry. Jesus came with a piping ministry. John came with the morning ministry for people to lament. Jesus came with the piping ministry. That's the, the glad tidings of good things, the gospel, for us to rejoice. That is the gospel because something good has happened to humanity. Then Jesus answered, them, answered and said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the day shall come when the bridegroom shall be taken. Then shall they fast or mourn in those days. The bridegroom is taken. That's Christ. He's in heaven. Then shall they fast in those days. That is these days because he's not with us. But he called his disciples the children of the bride chamber. And that is the groomsmen. The groomsmen. Jesus' best man is John the Baptist. His groomsmen are the 12 disciples. (laughs) <laughs> Amazing <laughs> Praise God And when Jesus was going, know what he said He said, the day and the hour knoweth no man Not the sun, not the angels But by my father It was a love language And I want to tell you a letter about the Jewish marriage Yeah Now the Jewish marriage was made up of two main events The first one is called a Kedashin the second one is called the Niswin, the Kedashin. Now, the Kedashin, let me tell you what happened at the Kedashin. At that time, the man come to pay the, the bridal price, the betrothal. And after the price is paid, the price is paid by the father, actually. And when, after the price is paid, the man give something like a ring, which is a seal, as a legal tie between the two of them, gives it to the woman to bind them. But that's not a marriage proper. Then after what, the man goes back to the father's house. Hallelujah. Amen. So the brother price is paid and the man gives a ring as a seal of their bond to serve as a legal tie between the two of them. But it takes some time for the marriage proper to come on the wedding to come on. Then the man leaves. But when he's leaving, he tells the bride, you know, the man does not decide when he'll come for the wedding. He, he can't decide. It's not from him. So he tells the bride that, I don't really know when. I'll come for the marriage. I'll come and take you for the proper marriage. But my father knows it. And at the right time, I'll come for you. Then he leaves. So when Jesus said that, the day and the hour knoweth no man, but my father, he was just speaking to his bride, that I've come to pay the, br- the bridal price. I've given you the ring, the seal, which is the Holy Spirit. I'll come and take you for the proper marriage. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So the groom promises his return, and that's where we are now. Now we have the seal, the ring, the Holy Spirit, the eternal spirit. You see, the way a ring has no beginning and has no ending, speaking of eternity, the Holy Spirit is the eternal spirit which is upon us as a seal, as a a binding tie that connects us to Jesus. But the church has experienced the the Kedashim, but we have not yet experienced the second stage. That is the marriage proper. But for the marriage proper to come on, a condition must be fulfilled. Turn with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 19, from verse 6, Revelation 19. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as a voice of many waters, as a voice of mighty tenderness, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. The next verse. Oh, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the lamb is come. And the lamb's wife has made herself ready. For the marriage of... Wait, wait, wait. Not too fast. For the marriage of the lamb is come. For the lamb's wife has made herself ready. Now the marriage will come when the lamb's wife has made herself ready. Let's go. And unto her. Granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for fine linen is the righteousness of the saint. And he said unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper. Now, there's a difference between the marriage of the lamb and the marriage supper, the two are different. Blessed are they who are called to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said unto me, These are the true sayings of God there's a marriage of the lamb, which is the wedding, there's a marriage supper which is the reception. I'll come to that. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Now, the, man, the groom promises the bride that I'll come when my father releases me. But for the father to release him to come, it depends on something, something very important. After the betrothal, the bride must make herself ready. And in a Jewish wedding, how? How did that happen? This is how the bride made herself ready. The bride, before the wedding proper, must be able to sew her own wedding garment. It's not like our day. Then they sewed their own wedding garment. (laughs) Can you imagine yourself sewing your own wedding garment? These days we go from shop to shop and we, we order from abroad. And some of the when I was going to marry, my wife's wedding garment was almost half her weight. <laughs> I mean, the stones and it was so heavy that even when she's she was even tired walking. So when when it came to the time where I had to carry her. Now now it took me, it took me, my best man, the groomsman and we left and even when you check the picture you could see that the weight was unbalanced <laughs> 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 but then you had to sew your own wedding garment hey. so you need to learn the art of sewing before the marriage comes on and you sew your own wedding garment So how beautiful it will be depends on how you sew it. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Hallelujah. You sew your own wedding gown. Psalm 45. Verse 14. Psalm 45 verse 14. Look at it. She shall be brought. Now the whole Psalm 45 is speaking of uh, the marriage of Christ and the church. She shall be brought. Speak, she shall be brought unto the king in remnant of needlework. Needlework. Remnant of needlework. The Hebrew said embroidery work. Needlework. Embroidery work. So, actually, and in those days, the, the, the wedding garment or gown was fine linen. It should be clean and it should be white. Fine linen. Yeah. And in Revelation now, in Revelation 19, verse 7, what did I see? Let's go back. Sorry, verse 8. And unto her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. See the righteousness of the saints. Now you need to understand the righteousness of God and the righteousness of the saints. You need to understand it. Two aspects of this righteousness. Psalm 45, let's go back. Now In Psalm 45, we see two garments here. Look at it carefully, Psalm 45. Let's see 13 and 14. Psalm 45, 13 and 14. The king's daughter is all glorious within. Her clothing is of wrought gold. Now, this is the inward clothing. There were two garments, inward clothing. And said so that clothing is of gold. The king's daughter is still the believer, the church. And she has her clothing. She is glorious within, and her clothing is of round gold. So there's a, a clothing that is gold. The next one. She shall be brought unto the king in raiment of netherwork. So there's cloth and there's raiment. Now, she's clothed within, which is gold. Yet she appears in raiment of netherwork. Hallelujah. When we are saved, we receive what is called the gift of righteousness. Say the gift of righteousness no man can end this gift. No one can end this gift. None can end this gift. It is a gift. A gift is a gift. It cannot be end. Hallelujah. Romans 5.17. Species is a gift. Much more shall they who receive abundance of grace and death. they article, not they, gift of righteousness. We all receive grace in different measures. But when it comes to righteousness... It's different, it's, it has a different article. The gift of righteousness. Yeah. And the gift of righteousness, it is by, it is Christ himself becoming our righteousness. So we are clothed with Christ within. That's why we are accepted before the Father. Hallelujah. That's what the Bible says, we are accepted in the beloved. We are accepted in the beloved. The word beloved is the word agapao. Now, love, the word love is agape, but beloved is agapao. Love is when you are expressing love. Agape is when you are expressing love. But agapao is the object of the love. The object of your love. And Jesus is the beloved. He's the object of the Father's love. But now we are accepted in the beloved. So you have become the object of God's love. So God loves you the same way as he loves Jesus. That is it. God loves you the same way as he loves Jesus, except if you've never read your Bible before. John 17, 23. All right. <laughs> you can never know how much God loves you until you know how much he loved. He loves Jesus because he gave what he loves for you. It, he's saying you are worth that much. Your value is so high. The gift of... To the God accept you, not on your own grounds, but because of Jesus. God cannot reject you for any reason because of Jesus. When you stand before God, God doesn't, God sees Christ. Yeah. You must understand that there's a difference between your position and your condition. If you understand the Bible, you have to understand your position and your condition. Your position is who you are in Christ as he has presented you. Your condition is your ex- present experience. Positionally, when Christ died, he presented you Holy unblameable and without reproof in his sight. Colossians chapter 1, 21, 22. That's how he presented you. So positionally, before God, you are wholly unblameable. Cannot be blamed, cannot be reproved. That is your position. But conditionally, you may be struggling somewhere in your corner. Positionally, by his stripes you were healed. You can never be sick. Positionally, but conditionally, maybe you are struggling with some cold, sitting outside there. Hallelujah. (laughs) But the more we grow in Christ, your condition matches up with your position. (laughs) That is maturity. (laughs) But until you see your position, your condition can never change. Until you see what he has made you and see it and match up to it, you can never become it. And now, Christ is our righteousness before God. That's how God sees you. Hallelujah. When you stand before God, he doesn't see, he doesn't see your shortcomings, he doesn't see your sins, he doesn't see your failure because of Christ, your righteousness. It's not your good works. Those days, I remember that when, those days when I, I used to evangelize every time, every day. And sometimes when I evangelize a lot and win souls, when I pray, I feel that God has a right to hear me. Why? I haven't preached and won souls you have right to hear me. But the more I prayed, the more the answers answers never came. And when I fast very long, I feel that God must answer me because of what I've done. Then I realized that I was doing wrong appropriation. God must hear me. I'm living very holy before God, but he's not hearing me because of my holiness, but because of Christ. He's not hearing me because of my evangelism, but because of Christ. If you think you are seven in church, so God must answer you, don't do that. God doesn't answer you based on your works, but because of Christ. You must know that. Hallelujah. Amen. But listen, after we are given the gift of righteousness, when you believe you are given the gift of righteousness, wow. In fact, you appear as Christ because you are clothed with Christ. As many as are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Galatians 3.27. In fact, we have put on Christ. ha? Ah when the enemy wants to get you when they try to shoot at you they realize that you are shooting at Christ when they do any astral projection it is Christ who will appear the thing is this but after you are saved we are saved you know what happened we express this righteousness by which we have been made we express his life We express, there's something the Bible calls the fruit of righteousness. It is the fruit of your believing, your standing with God. Now that you are standing with God in His holy presence, something comes out of it. And the thing is that you begin to express all that He has made you. You start walking in love, one towards another, you start giving. You start living in glory. You take advantage of what he has made us. And you walk in the light of it. Please, are you listening to me? Yeah. You just, you just, it's just the outflow of what he's done. You lean on his righteousness and you begin to manifest it before men. Now men see you and they just see you as Christ. You know, your roommate, the way you relate to your roommate, is almost like how Christ would have done if he was there literally. The manner of your speaking, the manner of your conversation, the manner of... You just, it's just an outflow of what he has made. And the Bible calls it the fruit of righteousness. Hallelujah. Fruit, praise God. Now, fruit is a life principle. It, fruit comes from seed. The more you grow in the life of Christ, the more you're able to live him. Hallelujah. Sometimes when someone comes to Christ... Initially, we don't know whether he's still a believer or an unbeliever. Or an unbelieving believer. We cannot tell. But if the person is consistent in the word and working with God, with time you begin to see. It's like the vine. Jesus said, I'm the, I'm the vine. Here are the branches. It takes two to three years for the vine tree to bring fruit. That's when you need a big heart for converts, Because they can. you wonder whether they are really saved by the things they are doing. But don't worry. The Bible, Jesus spoke spoke of bringing fruit with patience. Just baptize yourself in the word. Drink from the living fountain. Just hallelujah. Now, all our living before God is is a sowing process. Anytime you walk in love, you show love you have added a little more to your garment. Different colors to your garment. You are sewing your wedding garment, your wedding gown. Presently, we are sewing our wedding gowns. Hallelujah. Amen. We are sewing our wedding gowns. Your wedding is your living and what you are doing. Anytime you show love, you've added some new traits to your wedding gown. It's like an embroidery work. It is very detailed. On the last day, when you see your wedding, your outward garment, it's all that you did on earth displayed in it. In fact, your garment becomes a compendium of your entire earthly biography. So at a glance, I know how you manifested the life of God on earth and how you lived for Him at a glance. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ask your friend, how far is your wedding gown? So we have male bride and female bride. The same way we have male sons and female sons. There's no gender. We are all the sons of God. We are all the bride of Christ. <laughs> Anytime you, you spend time with God, you spend time in the Word, you flow with God, you grow. Oh, something is happening to your garment. <laughs> your wedding gown is being sewn. Hallelujah. Yeah, so when she's able to sew her wedding garment or her wedding gown, then the second part, the, the swim, praise God. Then this is N I N I doubles N I double Praise God Now this is it Now this is what a bride does Normally Check the Jewish history All Jewish brides are stolen They are snatched away, or they are caught up. Listen. (laughs) For the wedding proper. The wedding proper happens in the man's, the groom's father's house. But the bride doesn't know when it is coming on. The bride is aware of the season, but not the time. So among among the Jews, what happened was that normally, the bride, knowing the season, was starts after after sewing a wedding gown, occasionally she wears the gown. Anticipating that hey, they, they, she, she could be snatched at any time. So occasionally she just wears the gown and walk around because bright are stolen. <laughs> that is a love language anyway. That's what they did. They, they come and steal you away and your family must follow. The rest <laughs> they steal you away to the father's house, the man's house. That's how it is. The church now we need to be be in our gowns. Because occasionally, the thing is that we know the season but we don't know the time. Because we know the signs of the times. We We know the season the Lord will come but we don't know the time. The bride knew the season but not the time. And they are stolen. They are just snatched away. Taken to the Father's house. Then the wedding proper begins, the wedding ceremony begins. Hallelujah. When the church is ready with her gown, you know what will happen? We'll be snatched away, we'll be caught up, and that is the word rapture. Now, the word rapture in the Greek, the word rapture is not in the Bible, but the word caught up is, in, is in, the Bible. in the Bible. The word harpazo, which, which means to seize away or to snatch away. And that's how it's going to be. They are going to be snatched away. Hallelujah. Because by his bride, they are going to be just seized and snatched away for the wedding proper. On that day, the marriage of the Lamb. Hallelujah. And normally after the wedding, there is a wedding feast. The wedding feast doesn't happen in the Father's house. They go to another place, another place to do the wedding feast after the marriage of the lamb, we come back to the earth for the millennium. And Jesus said, I will not drink of this cup again, of the fruit of this vine again, until I drink it new in the kingdom. The kingdom will be on earth, will come with Christ to reign on earth for a thousand years. And that will be the wedding reception and the honeymoon. Hallelujah. Alright. Then we me to Matthew 25. And I'll just explain a few things there for you. Matthew 25. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto... Now, in speaking of our preparation, Jesus just used the power of the virgin. So I just want to quickly tell you something with this. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five of them foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But they that were wise took oil in their vessels with the lamps. Vessels with the lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. At midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all the virgins arose, arose, and trimmed their lamps. And the flesh said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lambs are gone up. But the wise answered and said, Lest Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And, but while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they... They that were ready went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins saying, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. All right. Now listen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, the kingdom of heaven is like 10 virgins spiritually we are all virgins because we are, we are believers we are saved in 2nd Corinthians 11.2 Paul said I espoused it to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ virgins means we are saved but ye are washed ye are sanctified ye are justified by the name of the Lord and by the spirit of our God we are virgins say I'm, virgin. I'm a virgin even if you are married you are a virgin spiritually Hallelujah. See, I'm a virgin. Yeah. But the Bible said, it's amazing. The Bible says that these ten virgins, five were wise and five were foolish. That's amazing. Five were wise and five were foolish. By their nature, they were virgins. By their conduct, some were wise, some were foolish. Praise God! So nature and conduct. Has anybody a wise virgin or a foolish virgin? And give an answer. Hallelujah. Now, who is a wise virgin? Now, the word wise, wise virgin, is actually the word friend. Friend, P-H-R-E-N. Friend, P-H-R-E-N, which means to curb. To curb, as in C-U-R-B. To curb, or to rein in, R-E-I-N. It means to rein in, R E I N, to rein in, or to cap the emotions. That word wise. To rein in or to cap the emotions. Now the cap is the bit that is in the horse's mouth.